welcome to a special edition of the Talkie Talk podcast. My name's Brent, I'm here today with Al. Hello! And we are going to be wrapping up Survivor Season 38, Edge of Extinction. Extinction Island, Island of the Extinction. It's over. <laughs> Mercifully. Extinction versus Goliath. If only. That would have been awesome. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh... We are going to, uh, first off, start with uh, our thoughts on the concept of the season before we launch into how the season actually went. Mm, we're getting in, out of the way, huh? Well, yeah. Now, this is, first off, we're going to give the season a benefit of the doubt. We have to transport ourselves back in time to before we saw it play out. How well conceived do you think this season was? I think if you remember, I may, we were giving it the benefit of the doubt. Let's see it play out, but I... I was a little skeptical and like I think the reasons why I was skeptical was one it was set up to be have this mechanism that you could quit and that seemed like that was wholly against everything Jeff Probst up to that point stood for right he hated quitters he you know called them out they didn't appear on um recap shows they didn't uh you know, we had stills of like Austin's freaking torch laid on the ground. You know, right. like they zoom into that. Jeff railed them up and down about quitters. So I didn't really understand like what the point was or whether or not they even wanted people to quit. Yeah, so it was the what what we were kind of sold this season being is not really at all what it wound up being, which was we really thought going in that this was going to be a, a grueling test of someone's will to stay in the game. And I think it was just a mild test of their will to stay in the game. I'm not going to... Okay, let me just say, I think that I could never do it. And, like, they... <clears throat> someone like Reem lived on a freaking island underneath a, like, half of a boat... And wrapped in a sheet for like 30-something days. Mm-hmm. More power to her for the chance to get back into the game and win a million dollars. So I guess, my, I guess my point is, I think you're right. I think that's a good distinction to make, is that it could have been grueling. My argument is that we didn't see that manifest on television as much. Well, there's that. But also, I mean, if we want to even get into like, there's a... This is so complicated. And, like, this is what it ended up being. Is, Mm -hmm. like, this is turned into just really something that, like, for a Survivor fan is, like... I mean, it's digestible, but it's complicated to put it in the context of, like, other Survivor seasons. Because it's just not... It's not not really a Survivor... Like, it's... Survivor in name only, almost like it's it's similar in a lot of respects, but it's the fundamental aspects of Survivor were kind of at risk. Well, maybe we like by talking about some of the problems, we can get into like what we mean. Like, and one of them is, and I was talking to this. I watched the finale with TJ and Cassandra, and we had it. You know, it was entertaining, and it was entertaining in the sense that we got to sit around and talk Survivor talk and talk about. Who's going to get the votes? And what do you think? And what has this person done? And, oh my gosh, can you believe that the winner did this? You know, that Chris did that. Or, 
oh, you know, they slayed Devons, you know, and it's all dramatic television. But, you know, some of the points TJ and I talked about were when you go out on the edge of extinction, you don't have to worry about getting voted out. Yeah. There's no paranoia about if I go take a dump, is, is everybody know? Have I told everybody where I'm going? Have I spent too much time doing it? Have I, if I, Reem got voted out for moving someone's clothes. Right. You don't, that doesn't happen on Extinction Island. You can't touch someone's clothes. Like, you can't breathe wrong and Every, not get voted out or not have it be part of the game. And, like, you are now in a game that they even said, get back in the game. Mm-hmm. Which means they weren't in the game. Right. They weren't in the same game where the mental exhaustion of thinking about how everything I do is under a microscope. And that's the challenge of Survivor. Is yes. Everything I do, every move I make, everything I say... If I scheme too much, if I don't scheme enough, if I if I say the wrong word or the wrong give the wrong look to people, it is boom, a million dollars is gone. True, and like the the difficulty, I think the true difficulty of Survivor has always been managing not only the elements and the the way the elements take their toll on you, but the way they take their toll on your ability to manage your own game and. Uh, the key is is you know you you don't want to go too slow as a player and you don't want to go too fast. You have to find your speed, and it's so hard to stay in that that speed zone that will take you to the end. And because if you go too fast, people will recognize it and vote you out. Like that yep. happens to somebody in this season several times. And if you go too slow, you won't garner the respect at the end. And I think that happened to so that happens to every season. Yes. And so I think. I think when you give someone a bypass to not have to not have to worry all day long about how every you know comment about this you know hey I think we cooked the rice too long or something like that hey I'm going to get a drink of water right you have to you have to calculate every literally everything you do for a for a month and when you remove that aspect from somebody's game, and because when you get to the final five or six, everybody pushes the throttle down. Yeah, it becomes a different. It, it becomes the yes. The final laps are different, and they, they've always been different. There's right. no. There's not a. Uh, you don't need that nuance when you get to the final five. You everybody pushes the throttle down, like I said, and just goes all out because you're trying to make big moves at the end. Everybody's doing it. There's no, there's no question of like, should I do this or not? Should I make this big move or not? I think we've seen it a few times. You know, we saw it with Dominic and Wendell. Right. But um, you're almost finally protected by the lack of numbers of lack of people out there. Mm-hmm. Only so many people can get voted out at five. Mm-hmm. You know, so you are almost have are garnering the shield of it's whittled down to so few people. That your ability to be like flexible in like what you do becomes like apparent. You there aren't three moves ahead, so you don't have to think three moves ahead. Right. There's only it's down to two moves ahead, and mm-hmm. then it's down to one move ahead, and then you're in final four, and it's just down to one move. And and I'm sure Chris was 
well, I'm skipping ahead here, but I'm sure our, uh, our returnee at, at five or six was physically depleted from Edge of Extinction. Was he? Well, I don't know, but I will, I will give them the benefit of the doubt and say maybe he was. But one thing he was not, it's not the same kind of mental exhaustion. I'm sure he was mentally exhausted in a certain way of not having anything to do for a month. Not having anything oh, yeah, to totally. think about. Oh, yeah, I agree. That's frustrating. Yes. Um, the, the boredom can can soften your, your senses, probably. But at the same time, I feel like those senses sharpen the moment he gets to come back. And he is focused. He hasn't had to play Survivor in a while. And he gets to hone everything quickly. And he kind of runs laps around people at that point. And I think it's a benefit <laughs> of spending four days or four weeks of of not having to to question every single bodily movement he makes. Right. I mean, so. it it's also you know you know, Christian <coughs> from last season talked about this in a podcast where he, you know, theorized that maybe playing from the bottom allowed you more freedom. And like Rick Devins talked about this when he got back into the game. It's like I'm playing with house money. And I, every move is open to me rather than do I, am I in an alliance? Am I tied to this? Am I tied to this totem pole of superiority to inferiority? And where am I in that? I'm not worried about that. And Chris came back in with a lot of freedom yeah, to work with whoever he wanted to. And, and, and I think it's, I think we're talking about this now because this is a, this was a, a flaw in, in, someone's game only in the sense that it was a flaw in the way this game was designed yeah so, so i think it was a, a yeah. big I, fatal yeah. flaw for the maybe season. that'll help us get back on track of talking about the production of it all yeah so i think that was the issue is that production mapped out this season and i think they had some good ideas like i think i think it's it's hard to know how to execute it but i think the idea of what if we were able to keep showing people who got voted out, you know, the interesting people who get voted out? What if we managed to find a way to keep showing them I throughout think, the season? I mean, see, I think you're hitting it right on the point of, like, we've talked about it. And I think what happens is they had something like Game Changers. And you had Sandra and Tony and people go out pre-jury. Malcolm. Yeah, and... <clears throat> Someone, I'm not saying this is how it happened, but I, I mean, in my mind, like, this is what could have happened. And you wouldn't blame them terribly if it if Yeah, it, if and it they're did. like, look, we're leaving good material on the editing floor, so to say. We're missing out on showing uh, what happens when we lose a good player. Right. And what happens when we lose a fan favorite. And you see from this cast, they brought back fan favorites and Mm -hmm. that goes sort of like dovetails with like the idea of like if a joe or aubrey or david or kelly gets voted onto this thing you know we're not gonna lose them well it ended up you you lost them anyways because we didn't even see it like we saw Mm -hmm. the one little tear the the you know the tear from joe and and him read, reading the letter, and that's about it. Yeah, I think if you're, I think there were ways to pull off this concept. Well, first off, let me say I don't know if there was a way to pull off this concept and make it work. 
But I think there are ways where it could have worked better than it did. And that's give the people on Extinction more to do. Maybe. Did you feel okay with the fact that they had agency into the game? Like they could give I didn't love tools it. back into... Okay. I didn't love it. So what do you mean by give them more to do? Make them... So the eventual return of someone into the game, if you're going to do that, I think I would have preferred it be more of a cumulative effort, like a, a longer term fight to get back in. It's funny you say that. I think one of the... And one of the only things they showed us, and one of the best things they showed us, was Keith making the decision to not eat lunch with everybody or breakfast and start hunting for the the, the advantage that, for all he knew, was his chance to get back into the game. Mm-hmm. And so he is like, you guys eat breakfast and I'm going to dip out and go looking. And Reed's like, come on, man, where did... Where, Where'd you go? You know, are you seriously doing that? And he's like, well, I'm playing the game. Yeah. And then you have Chris, you know, clothesline him to get an advantage. And it's like, for that moment, they were playing some sort of game. Mm-hmm. And you notice that made it into the show. That would have been, I think, more interesting to me if every if the, if we'd had more scavenger hunts on, on Extinction. Like, even though I don't love that, I still don't love it. And I'm not saying it would have made this concept a winning concept for me. So maybe if like your ability to actually be good at Survivor, so to say, like the normal game of Survivor or whatever in your mind's eye, Mm -hmm. the normal game of Survivor is. If that, well, you could play something like that on Extinction Island and that was your chance to get back into the game. Mm -hmm. Like you were the best of the people that got voted out, not just the most athletic in one challenge, which... Chris ended up being. Yeah, one challenge seems kind of arbitrary. And it's just such a run-of-the-mill challenge, too. It was just, yeah, go through some ropes and go across a balance beam and and untie a bag and drop some balls into some puzzle holes. Right. And that was it. And they, it's, it, that could have been a random reward challenge. Right. For the individual. So it, that seemed kind of anticlimactic to me. It wasn't the most iconic because the first challenge was Sometimes the most iconic, Brent. Moments are just iconic the moment they happen. Here's a note to to anyone out there listening, CBS, I hope you are. If you want to make something iconic, don't have it be the same challenge as you did the season before. Also, that makes it iconic if it's something new. Things that are iconic don't have to be announced as being iconic before they occur. Don't ever predict something is about to be iconic. I've literally already forgotten that challenge. Pretty okay, much. well, let me remind it's, you. Wait, it's the thing with the balance. It's the, the, the snake, snake thing yeah. with the two ropes. And guess what? They had it the season before and Christian won. Yeah. Yeah. Iconic. I remember Christian winning it more than I remember Devin's winning it. But it's iconic. Oh, sorry. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I had... So getting back to like our pregame podcast, and if you guys want to go back and listen to that, I you know, and book in the two, have fun. Um, take a good three hours. <laughs> but my problem with it going in was, one, the I didn't understand the quitting aspect. And it... And then I read a quote from a producer, Matt Van Wagenen, saying, if anyone quits, we've cast it wrong. And I'm like, well, why did you set this up then? And yeah. I, I know they set it up for the drama of it all. We, they wanted 
the sunset, um, you know, teary eyed moments and for TV. And, you know, now I get it, you know, like that's what they want. They didn't want people to actually quit. I mean, did you see Jeff in the reunion show and how much he softballed um, Wendy and and what's the uh, help me God? Yeah, Keith. Yeah. I mean, boy, he's like, can I get you a pillow and a mint? You know, he's like, they quit, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, to their credit, they did ask them after being voted out to just sit around on the beach and wait for maybe a chance, which is not, that is not quitting Survivor as far as I'm concerned. No, I mean, I don't consider Keith and Wendy, Keith and Wendy in my book should not be listed alongside uh, the, I'm not calling them quitters like some other people, like the the two girls from Nicaragua, Nicaragua. I mean, yeah, that's not, they're not in the lines of that. I just mean, it's just weird that they set up this mechanism and this whole theme about you'll be pushed to the edge of quitting. And there's this way to quit when that has been like, you don't go there in Survivor. And now they've kind of like went there. You know what I mean? I think it would have been fun if there were no guarantee they'd even get to come back in. What if there were some something in a, in a challenge? What if, uh, what if they got to like nominate someone to go play in each each challenge and if that person could beat enough regular players in the challenge they could get back in or something like that where there was no guarantee that they'd ever be able to get back in which is which would have added some sort of social aspect to extinction island that you're like you're trying to garner votes which would have been good because you've been currying favor if you know i don't know anyway this the season didn't work and i think it was had we known had we known the specific dynamics before the season of a player's gonna get to come back in with when there are only five people left to make it a six person uh game and that person is gonna have immunity so pseudo immunity in their pocket and they're gonna have notes for other castmates and notes about other castmates in their pocket i would have said this game's broken. Like if I had if I had known that that they would not that someone would not have to even play Survivor for twenty eight days and then get back in and and potentially win, I would have just said this doesn't work. Try again. Try something again. So um, I think from that aspect, this is a, a failure in production. Well, I mean, the fundamental part of it that in my mind, and I know other people have talked about it and I'm just going to be like aping like what other people have said but they've said it like better than me and before me but I'm just going to bring it up again is even as bad as you feel about a winner like a Ben Drebergen who was given a they didn't know about a challenge and his way to make it to the final three and that was sprung on them he still had to sit in front of a jury of his peers I've got I've got the solution to Extinction Island. I think I think it just hit me. I think what you do is you put everybody out on Extinction, and uh, you have to find things. You have to win things through Extinction, either through small challenges or scavenger hunts or whatever. And with each each thing that you find, you get an extra piece of parchment. 
And at the end, they all go to a tribal council. And they write down the names of someone to go back into the game. And, so kind of like the outcasts. And you can vote for yourself in this instance. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to accumulate enough votes. pieces of parchment and votes from other people. People who have no parchment. And so you have to play a social game. Uh, but if you dick someone over on, on, a, on extinction, then that could come back to haunt you at the final tribal council. The way this was designed, there was no, no ramification for anyone at the final tribal to dislike the person who got sent back. No. Absolutely nothing. They had never been wronged by this person in any way. Chris had 20-something days to fix the... First of all, he was... He only voted out Reem. Mm-hmm. So he only had to apologize to her. Yeah. So I think that's the fundamental problem is that you can... You, yes. You got to yes, out. he voted out Victoria. Yes, he fired out Devons. Yes, he tricked Lauren. But of... There are 13 jury members. Yeah. So that's that's 10. And he got to apologize to the one out of 10 that he voted out. Well, I know we spent a lot of time talking about production and its flaws, but I think that's the big story of the season. Yeah. And I think that's the most interesting thing about Edge of Extinction was this attempt at something uh, off the wall, which, to Survivor's credit, they're not afraid to try stuff like this. Um, and I think that's what makes the show interesting. Um, their failures are... Uh, as interesting at times as their successes. Yeah, and I don't want to leave it the production aspect without talking about a few of the things I thought were highlights. So piggybacking on last season and their editing and the editors and production staff being on top of their game, I still think that they're doing a lot of things that are on top of their game. The One of the best scenes of this season was the scene with no dialogue where it was just sitting around camp. Do you remember that? And Victoria was scraping the pot. Yeah. Yeah. And like they didn't put any music in. They didn't worry about any voiceovers or anything. They just like let it roll. And it was so good. And like they're taking chances, so to say, with like doing things that are different and like doing flashbacks and like doing the war dog thing where he's like, This is my strategy. It's this thirty second strategy. And then they do the flash or the flash forward or this they just show it and you get to see it was mm. really good. Now, I think a missed opportunity, though, was, you know how they do the the names underneath, like, uh, when you do the confessional, like, Philip, you know, they would put in, like, his profession with a question mark after it. I really think there was a confessional after the chickens were released, and I think it was Aubrey, and the chicken walked in front of her, and they focused on the chicken. I really wish they had given it... A little subtitle that said chicken, chicken number four. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about the cast. We're going to go from bottom to top. Um, we're going to talk about what this person, quickly, we're going to talk about what they brought to the show. Yeah. What they failed to bring to the show. Yeah. Why they lost. Um, and our lasting thoughts on them. So we're going to start with the uh, second person voted out, but the first person to quit. Right. Keith Soul. Uh, Keith, what will we remember Keith for? We'll remember Keith as a poor swimmer. I mean, in his defense, there have been other people. Sandra couldn't swim. So, but yes, Keith, come on. At this point, Survivor 38, you got casted. Please, just go to the pool, man. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Keith called on God to help him uh, a lot. Yes. He asked God for a sign when he was standing literally in front of a sign. Three signs, yes. Three signs. If only there had been a fourth sign saying, this is the sign for you. Right. When he took him, when we ended on a cliffhanger of would he choose to stay in the game or just go home and eat a cheeseburger, I thought, boy, he, he really needs needs to head yeah. to the right. But uh, I will give Keith props for a couple of moves he made were the right moves. When he realized that he was in the wrong alliance, he turned on Reem. He came back up to the, the beach and, you know, threw them under the bus correctly. When he was given the challenge disadvantage, he gave it to the right person or else Chris would have been back in the game True. on day whatever before the merge. Um, and I thought Keith was the voiceover, a really encapsulated what the um, the sale was on Edge of Extinction when he his words for how that meant everything, you know, were really poignant and I thought were good. Yeah. And like he captured that part of the season. Do you think we need to see Keith again on Survivor? No. I don't either. Yeah. Good yeah. kid, but sure. just not really cut out for this this game, I think. Uh, youngest member of the cast, he was only 19. Yeah. And I think we talked about before that, you know, like, when you're that young, you um, a lot of people hide it, you know, and a lot of people, it is hard to uh, make a connection. And really, the only connection he started making was calling Reem his mom, which she hated. And so... You know, when you're when you have the youth disadvantage, you start getting painted into a corner. Next up, we have a 25 year old Wendy Diaz. Oh, good old Wendy, big Wendy, boy. For someone who uh, quit on day 17, um, was the sixth person voted out, second person fully out of the game. Uh, she really got a lot of mileage out of her screen time. Wendy was the first what three episodes? It Two was and a half all episodes? about Wendy. I mean, between the chickens. Wendy wanting to release the chickens. Wendy trying to get them to release the chickens when they wouldn't. Wendy secretly, quote, secretly releasing the chickens. Wendy and... all of a sudden <clears throat> becoming a vegetarian. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> when she got there. I love War Dog. It's like, wait a minute. Was that War Dog that asked her? It's like, wait, in like the real world, like you eat meat, right? And she's like, well, yeah, but. <laughs> but before I never knew where meat came from. Right. Apparently. Um, notable. Uh, although I don't think it really, I really don't think it defined her season at all, but notable for being the first cast member in Survivor history with Tourette Syndrome, um, which I thought was interesting. The way, I thought it was, uh, well, it was one of the sh- the bright spots of her time on the show was the way she kind of powered through it on that challenge where she nearly won her way back into the game yeah. over Devons. I mean, Wendy mm-hmm. was completely endearing in the fact that, like, she was adamant about, like, I have this disability and I'm not letting it define me. It's just me. I'm Wendy with Tourette's I'm not the girl who has Tourette's you know and like I you know I I really enjoyed Wendy I did too and I think that uh, I think in a different type of season when you don't have a cheat code on the opposite tribe like Joe who just wins all the challenges yeah I think she could have been an interesting player in a season where because she's so good at challenges she's the best swimmer probably on this season and she really acquitted herself well in pretty much every challenge they did, as far as I remember. Um, she's just so bad at camp, at like the camp aspect of Survivor, but she's really good at the um, at challenges. 
I think it would have been interesting to see how she fared in a normal season where her tribe didn't lose it every time they played. I will say this. <clears throat> I mean, she's kind of duped Aubrey. Mm-hmm. When Victoria sold Aubrey the bill of goods and said, I want to work with you in a girls alliance. And then Aubrey came and pitched it to her and she was like, she didn't give it up. You know, that, that she, even though she was like waffling, Aubrey didn't catch on that she was in trouble, mm-hmm. you know? So whatever she did worked on Aubrey, but that's a different, maybe that's a different story. All right. Big question. Do we need to, uh, would you like to see uh, Wendy again on Survivor? Uh, Probably not. I mean... Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a like I said, I have a curiosity as to how she would do on a on a normal season, but it's not really a burning desire to see it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, every a lot of things would have to break right for Wendy to have a good game where we got something unlike the game we already just saw. Yeah, because she went out there and immediately was like. I'm not voting against my friend, Reem. And it's like, you've known Reem for three days. Yeah. It like, seemed pretty bad at the big aspects of Survivor. Right. All right. Speaking of Reem Daily, yeah. the surprising secret star of the season, I think. Uh, Reem was, boy, not for everybody, but no. uh, she was probably the most watchable aspect of Extinction Island. What else were they going to show other than Hotel Reem? Reem's kind of a classic Survivor player, like an old, real old school Survivor player in that she's kind of mouthy, and I feel like most people now that come on the show are a little too careful with their words because they're really trying to win. Yeah. Uh, whereas Reem is someone straight from the first ten seasons in my book. You know, the, yeah. the people who would come on and, boy, they'd tell you like it is, and, and if you didn't... It was their way or the highway. Yeah. Um, if you wronged them, they would they would come back to camp. They wouldn't sulk over in the corner. They wouldn't they wouldn't try to couch their uh, their hurt like Gavin did this season. But like, uh, if someone if a vote didn't go their way and they got back to camp, they would they would be like, "What the hell was that? What is yeah. going on in here?" They're the outbursts of that reminded me of like Pearl Islands and whatnot. I mean, there's something to be said about like. Wearing it on, wearing your game on your sleeve, yeah. And boy, she did that. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a good game or no, a way to no. win. It's a bad game and a yeah. way to lose, which is probably why she went out first, right? But God, it's entertaining. It, and it seemed like the only thing entertaining on Edge of Extinction for the longest time. Yeah, love Reem. I, uh, I just want an I I want another show of like the morning after like Reemings, which like. When Wardog got there, and she's like, "Don't talk to me now because I'm sleeping." But man, you're gonna get it in the morning. What and if I'm like, just, what, what, I want to see it. What, what is just he, a, I want to see him get it. Just a Survivor season where it's just Survivor, Ream Island, and you just go and get roasted. Yeah, I mean that's that's all it is. There's no you don't get a chance to get back in the game. There's nothing interesting. It's just a normal Survivor season, except every time someone gets their their torch snuffed by Jeff Probst, they have to walk down the path. They they go around the corner, and around the corner is Ream with another camera. They just be like, "Dude, you are such an idiot, dude." You royally screwed up, like man. Shackled to this like chair, and then just like give it ten minutes of insult. They're like, yeah, Doctor Joe's gonna. Doctor Joe will be right here to uh, give you a look over and let you know that you're okay. And they're just waiting in the medical booth there, and just like thinking, like, okay, well, it's all gonna be fine. And Doctor Reem comes in, and she's like, 
What an idiot, bro. After they You had an idol in your pocket, man. <laughs> You're going to go down as one of the dumbest survivors ever, dude. Oh, Reem. That's what I want. Just Reem roasting people when they when they get off when they get when they get their dreams crushed. That's what I missed. Like at least show more of that. Yeah. All right, next up. I mean, wait, do we want Reem back? Uh, yes, I want Reem back. <laughs> Me too. I think Reem is near the top of their their call list for coming back. Because honestly, she's a very imperfect player who makes TV uh, fun, and I think that quality of a castmate is un- is a uh, um, underappreciated. Yeah, I think. I mean, yes, her game is set up to where she's probably going to get voted out in the first two votes, anyways. But maybe I don't know. It depends how it breaks for her, but. Mm-hmm. Even two episodes of Reem is two more episodes of Reem. I'm totally on board. Yes. Uh, Aubrey Bracco, third-time player. Uh, Co-Rong, she did pretty well. I think she should have won the season, Co-Rong. She did not, but I think she should have. Um, Game Changer, she did. She played pretty under the radar. She uh, she kind of played a Sandra game in Co-Rong, which is just uh, keep the vote. Don't let the votes get on me. Um Boy, this was uh, this was a frustrating season. I think Aubrey fell victim to the the problem with bringing back a a min, uh, a group of former players who are in the minority of their cast. Well, not only that, she got stuck on a tribe who her main um, ally is Joe, who like I'm stuck. We're in this position where we need to scheme like hell to get out of it, and I'm stuck with. Joey Amazing, who's going to win me challenges, but that's about it. She found an idol. She had another advantage at one point. Great moment when she found the yeah, idol. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, Aubrey mostly lost because she, I mean, she's right, you have to trust people in the game to an extent. And when the entire cast, everybody you've met in the game has just decided you they're not going to let you win, and it's day seven when they decide that, there's nothing you can do, really. Yeah, I mean, she was like, you know, she nobody wanted to work with her. She was literally thirsting to death in the desert to scheme and plot. And then the moment that Victoria came to her and said, here, I have a glass of water, she drank the whole cup, and it turned out to be poison. Aubrey should have never been brought, for this, brought back for this type of season, I think. But oh. they just didn't know that. I think... I'm going to give Survivor a pass on bringing these four back because I think they just didn't know that the cast would react this way because they never have before. I mean, we've had we've had minority returnees three times in the past, and uh, a minority returnee has made it to the end in all three seasons and uh, won one of those seasons, and so that's. Uh, Take that back. Uh, no, 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 that's correct. Scoopin made it to the final three mm-hmm. in uh, in Philippines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I guess that since they had a, they had a history of, of having new players want to play alongside yeah. old players, they thought it might continue. This cast wanted nothing to do with that. For well, the there were part. only the people that reacted like they did in like Redemption Island to um, to the returnees or South Pacific to the returnees. Uh, they were fewer and farther between than they this season than they were on those seasons. So, for Joe, you only had Aurora who had googly eyes for Joe, and then you had Lauren that was 
enamored with Kelly. Kelly. And then you had Devins, who kind of sort of was with David. I would say he was like, mm-hmm. recognized that David was a player like himself and wanted to, yeah. but he wanted to play with him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he necessarily was like, oh my God, it's David Wright. Like everyone right. else was like, oh my God, it's Kelly. She's my hero. You know, like that kind of thing. But Aubrey, there were less people than there were in those Redemption Island, South Pacific. They were like, these are rock stars. Yeah. You know? I just want to hang out with Boston Rob for 39 days. Right. Yeah. Aubrey is the exact, I think she's the kind of player who would do really well in this season if no one, if sh- this was her first time playing. Yeah, I can see that. I just, I think that it really worked against Aubrey more than it worked against everyone else because I think Kelly and David are aggressive strategic players. And I think that would have come out anyway if it were their first time playing. And I think Joe, Joey Amazing, would have, I mean, he dominated the game physically when he was in it. And I think that comes, that becomes obvious to everyone in the game, even if it's his first time. Right. But Aubrey, Aubrey was the one who I think was most torpedoed by her name recognition because people just showed up, did not care what kind of game Aubrey was going to play. And just said, we got to get rid of Aubrey because she's played before. For no other reason. I mean, with Joe, the reasons are, like I said, with the other three, the reasons are there to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, but with Aubrey, they're not really. I mean, she's she's always been... I mean, her... In fact, I would want to play with Aubrey because you look at her two previous seasons and her two previous seasons, she helps people get to the end and win. Maybe not intentionally, but she plays a role in getting other people further in the game. She's somebody who's willing to work with pretty much anyone. So yeah, for all that being said about Aubrey, I do think that this season she went down a slight notch in my book. Um, I thought she was a little bitter at the end. Um, you know, the whole "you nailed my pelt to the wall" and like not giving uh, Gavin any credit for being on the side of that. Now it may not have been totally his move, but he was one of the people that voted her out, and I think she was so. Her desire to win this thing this time out clouded her so much that she could see no other thing than voting for someone who had the same story as her. Yeah. And if she was on Extinction Island and you couldn't belittle the Extinction Island experience because that's what Aubrey lived and if she visualized herself at the finals, she would want people voting for her and I think she didn't really lead the charge of that vote but she definitely was... When they raised their hands and said, who's on the fence, that was complete horseshit that she was on the fence. She was voting for Chris. I think that's the case for a lot of the people on that jury, though. Not yeah. just Aubrey. No, so. no, no. Yeah. Um, would you want to see Aubrey again? I mean, it'll be our, what, fourth time? Yeah. Have we seen all of Aubrey's game? I would, I would, I would say Aubrey should be on the list of candidates if you ever have a season of people who got to a final three and did not win. Sure, I think she's a reasonable bring back for that reason. Um, Other than that, she I... doesn't strike me as a hero or a villain type. Yeah, she's not kind of strong enough in either of those ways. Maybe a maybe a mild hero, but uh, yeah. I don't really know if I need to see her again. Next, we have Joe Anglin. Well, I talk about someone I don't think we need to ever see again. <laughs> I know. Uh, Boy, oh man. I'm always down for more Joe. I'm just, not. Just because uh, I just, I like the monotony of Joe finishing ninth in every season he plays, <laughs> basically. Um, 
Joe gets to the merge, and yeah, TJ asked, uh, he said, how do you think Joe's going to do this year? I said, I think he'll get to the merge and get voted out immediately. Mm, wow, how prescient of you. Like, come on. I know, it really seems like I was onto something this season, but all it is was mild familiarity with Joe's past seasons. People, people get laser beams for Joe. If he can't win the season that it is set up for him to win, I mean, Chris stole his spot. Yeah, this is... Yeah, this yeah, absolutely. The season was supposed to be Joe Island, Edge of Joe. <laughs> Joe, yeah, if he can't win Edge of Joe, then <clears throat> he. But he's you know, of course. The I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I looked at the numbers for this season. Joe and Aubrey and David and Kelly didn't move the needle. There were the same number of viewers that there were for the two seasons before. Yeah. And the two seasons before that. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't really understand bringing back Joe. I know that there is this subset of fans that love Joe. He is a super nice guy. He's really good to look at. He's amazing in challenges. He is all-American Joe. And boy, the hair. You know, but... I just... You... Oh. He's almost a better story losing. I would is, give he, Joe, is he a better story winning? I don't know. I don't know what that looks well, like. Well, I mean, we'll never see it, right? Because like it's never happening. But Joe would need Joe would get a call from me from me if it's a if it's a we're 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 assembling the greatest physical threat season of all time. If we're bringing back all the greatest challenge beasts, Survivor season forty two beast mode. But here's the problem I, that Joe puts into the game. And I talked about this, I think, with TJ the other day. You are so worried about having the Sandras and Malcolms and these people get knocked out of the game. Joe's the one knocking them out in yes. episode three and four. Yeah. Because Joe can't lose. So Joe takes a bunch of bing-bongs through challenges through the first half of the game and wipes the floor with good, good social players, and then they're gone. And I'm not saying that that's in totality what happened this season, but that's what's going to happen every season that kinda, Joe plays. It kind of happened this season because the more interesting tribe originally was Manu, and he just single-handedly just destroyed Manu. So Joe has this agency in the game for the first, like, six episodes, mm-hmm. and then none after that. So mm-hmm. that's what you're getting out of Joe. You're getting Joe almost, like, breaks the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And then Joe's not there for the second half of the season. So if you're Jeff Probst, and that was, that's what you want, keep signing him up. Wait, what if we had Survivor Joe Island, where every challenge, you can only become immune if you can beat Joe. Everybody who beats Joe at a challenge becomes immune. Everybody else is uh, open to vote for every challenge. Brent, it's... That's, you're going to have a, lot of, a lot of travels where no one's immune. Brent, that's Survivor South Pacific. You can go watch it. His name is Ozzy, okay? <sighs> yeah, don't really need to see Joe again. Although, too, this was another person who should not have been brought back on this season. Like, if we wanted, if they wanted to see Joe for a no. third time, Joe design an all-star season and bring Joe back. And bring back three or four other meat shields along with Joe. Bring back some Brad Culpeppers, some Malcolms, some people who can actually win challenges. Joe could do well. I think Joe's best shot would have been in a fans versus favorites season. Because if you if you even those decks, 
then that gives the fans, or I'm sorry, the favorites, a reason to keep Joe around. Because you don't want the favor, uh, the fans to get the upper hand in the numbers, I think. Yes. So I think a reason to keep Joe around is if you, you need Joe to uh, keep tipping the scales in your direction. And then you have to weigh the decision of, do we keep Joe around to keep them from getting immunity, or do we get rid of Joe because Joe's about to go off on a run? But anyway, Joe for this season, not a whole lot to offer. Well, and I think you said it when you said he got off the boat, he got onto the boat, let's say, and looked over and saw that there were 14 new players and went, well, I lost. Yeah, which was true. He yeah. lost. Uh, next we have Eric Haifman. Who? I don't know. It's just I think it's a Wikipedia editor who just inserted their own name into this to see if we would recognize. No, Eric was a firefighter. He it looked in the first two episodes Wait, like he, he won. No, that's the other Eric. That's the Chris Eric. Chris Eric. Oh, Eric. Uh, this is Eric. Eric. Eric in the first two episodes looked like he was going to be a power couple with Gavin, and then boy, and then it was power couple with Ron. That and then yeah, where did the Gavin thing go? Gavin just, just evaporated. Turned on him quick, huh? Yeah. And so, everybody flipped on Eric. They voted Eric out. Well, not everybody. I think Ron was blindsided by that, right? Yeah. Ron and Julie. Yeah. So, um... That was the first time Ron lost power and turned into a puppy. It's yeah. like, I'm not... Just tell me how to vote. So, this was the one where Eric got voted out because they could sense Eric was keeping David Wright around. It was the whole, just, we'll wait for the family visit. He was... Yeah. He and Ron were just like... It was Julia that, it was Wardog that tricked Julia into, like, go ask him. Yeah, go ask him. And it wasn't really a trick. It was accurate when, sure. when he said, no, I don't want to get rid of uh, Devons or David. David, because they were keeping Devons and David around right. to knock out Julia, Victoria, uh, and, and Gavin, Gavin yeah. ultimately, probably. So they flipped on him. It was a good blindside. It was a smart blindside, I thought, and it was probably the right move. Got outplayed by the Wardog. Yep. It happened to a few others this season. Not a whole lot to remember from Eric, though. Want to see Eric again? Uh, no, not really. Not really. Particularly, you know. I, I, like, you know, (coughs) he's another one that, like, I can't really tell how he did in challenges because he had Joe on his team. Right. All right, Julia. Um, Julia was on top for all of three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And then... And then... And then, was it boy, or what a tribal council blow up! Yeah, they Julie. Had. Julie was the victim of the most entertaining tribal council of the season. Yeah, um, she led the blindside on Eric. Um, other than that, don't really have a lot on Julia this season to really remember. No, uh, I mean her final tribal council performance was just <laughs> precious because she was just little miss important that like. Wait, I finally have a say, and like, it's like, come on, you know, you got crushed in this game. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Need to see Julie again? Um, no, not so much. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next yeah. we have David Wright. If it was door number one was like her, and then door number two was like, I don't know, but they're a new player, a new, brand new newbie, and I get the chance of them being somebody like Christian or Devons or yeah, anyone. Picking. I'm picking the unknown. Yeah, David Wright. Uh, David Wright's flaw this season, I think, was he got so much tunnel vision for Kelly Wentworth yeah. when they should have been working together. 
Yes. Um, so very early on, and I know, I don't, I pretty, I think I brought this up to you, but very early on, they would show wide shots of the camp, and Kelly twice said, "I can't trust anyone out here," and I don't know whether she is confiding in David and saying, "I can't trust anyone but you out here," but I think David really just took those to heart and just never trusted her. And he's seen her game, and her game was play from the bottom, don't trust anyone, and she was dangerous. And like, and but he became fixated on that. She has blown up some group plans before with idols. Um, Yeah, I I didn't love David's season. I I think his first time out on Millennials versus Gen X was better. But uh, David Wright is also just good TV, though. Yeah, Um, he. Narrates his game well. He narrates the game well, yes. and he uh, he's he's a good person to answer questions at tribal council. I love David Wright. Yeah. I love seeing him on the on Survivor. Um, and he was a victim of the agency of Joe, which is yep. you are basically, um, you know, you can't win a challenge. Well, uh, yes, they fumbled over their own two feet like several times, but he, he was saddled with the anti Joe on his job as well, right? I mean, War Dog? Yeah. yeah. Um, but they, you know, and they they kind of got squat screwed to where their only vote was voting out themselves yeah. at that one point. Yeah. And it wasn't David that went, but it was his right-hand man. Yeah. So. Some bad luck for David on this season. Right. Um, for both David and Kelly, which was, uh, they still were in a cast of people who mostly wanted to vote them out just because they knew who they were. Mm. Um, although, they did have Wardog around to at least... He worked with them in a smart way for him, I think. So. It's funny. In, the, in the, the times that he and Kelly worked together, they got things done. Mm-hmm. It just... It would only be for like one vote <clears throat> at a time. Well, speaking of Kelly, Kelly's next on this list. Kelly Wentworth voted out. Eleventh uh, person voted out. Um... Again, I think she and David were gunning for each other too much. Uh, although, I think it was more of a David problem than it was a Kelly problem. But, I think she I think she played generally well. I think her problem was that she, she uh, had the instinct that she needed to cut ties with War Dog. And she just didn't listen to it fast enough. See, to go back, I think it's a two-way street between her and David. I don't think it was more a David problem than a her problem. I blame them both. For that they couldn't work together. Sure. Like at that tribal council where Wardog and Devons blew it up, you know, like the plan was David. Mm-hmm. And yes, David's plan originally was Kelly, but like, why, y'all? There's so many other people to vote for. Yeah. And like, Devons comes back from Extinction Island and immediately she's like, well, we need to get out Devons. And it's like, there she just like was completely, you know, fixated on like getting those guys out, you know? True. Yeah. Also, her uh, her instincts on playing idols was not as sharp this season. No. Um, and her instincts on one of the underrated boo-boos of the season, she walks onto Extinction Island, says, Hey guys, I'm an idiot. I got voted out with an idol in my pocket, and Lauren has one too. Yeah. Well, that was going to wind up in a note to Chris anyway, so who cares if she said it out loud? I'm the producers. Anyway. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Do we want to see... First off, I forgot to answer this. I want to see David again. I always want to see more David. He's uh, he's he's just good TV, I think. Yeah. Sure. Fine. Um, I, I, Kelly? Yeah. 
I mean, David was my winner pick for the season, so I want to see him again because I'm going to pick him again. How about <laughs> Kelly? In a legend season, maybe. Yeah, it's fine. Sure. I mean, if you're going to put Aubrey back in in a season where it almost could have been, you know, why not Kelly? Yeah. Kelly Kelly belongs in a season of peers, not people who idolize Kelly. Yeah. Uh, next we have Dan DeSilva, a.k.a. The War Dog. I mean, possibly one of the hidden gems, I would guess, of this season. Loved War Dog. Yes. I mean... Uh, his, his star shone too brightly to last the whole game. Yeah. I think when we talked before the season, we talked about how he was a poker player. And we were like, wait a minute. You know, not they don't have a good track record. I thought all the poker things he brought to the table were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Um, he worked out the odds really well. Yeah. Uh, he just yeah. got real aggressive real fast. And a little too early to play that aggressively, I think. Devin's wound up finding a sweet spot for when to play aggressively and mm-hmm. loudly. He was kind of forced into it. Wardog tried to play aggressively and loud with 12 people left in the game and 11 people, and it worked for a bit, and then it just, everybody kind of realized that Wardog uh, not only was possibly playing the best game, but also a distinct threat to everyone else's game if it didn't align with his. I mean, okay, so after they get out Kelly, Wardog sits down with Ron and Devons. Devons and says, we have to work together or because if not, we're all boom, 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 going home. And that's basically the way it played out, except for Devons found <clears throat> stuff to keep his own game. But Ron blew it up. Yeah. Do you think it would have worked if like those three had stuck together for a couple more votes? Yeah, I think. So. I mean, I think that was the smart move at the time. Yeah, I think Wardog was right, um, but yeah, uh, what were the numbers at that point? You had uh, you had Wardog. It would have been Wardog, Ron, Devins, and Julie. You presume um, it would have been four four. And that's with nine people left. Is that right? No, you're right. That was with eight people left. So yeah. it would have been four four. So yeah, they could potentially do something with that because you also know you know Victoria ain't going to rocks. So you right. put the votes on someone who is not Victoria, and then you tell Victoria I mean, that it's four four. Do what you will. I mean, my point is like Wardog voting out Kelly was risky. He blew up an alliance, but he seemed to have a backup plan. It's just it was really hard to um to make work because you had to get Ron and Julie and on board and then it was still only a tie vote so it was a high wire act but it almost worked and yeah. you know I you know Wardog was entertaining do you want to see Wardog again? oh yeah I do too but only with the stipulation that he has to wear that stupid lint biscuit facial hair uh, again <laughs> no for an entire no. season he has to show up with, uh, with all that weirdness no. going on that he had for that one travel um, no Ron Clark. Boy, up and down. So everything was up for Ron Clark early. And then it went down real fast. And then his uh, partner came to see him. And, uh, you know, inspired by that time with his partner. Everything went right back up again. And then he was immediately voted out. (laughs) He uh, got sent home in a great travel where Devins just took him to task. And uh, played an idol. Voted... Although Devins did not vote for Ron in that, did he? He voted for Aurora, I no. believe. 
He got Ron Clark out, got credit for getting Ron Clark out, but didn't get Ron Clark out. It was the other people who voted Ron Clark out. Uh, Victoria, I believe. Yes. And Gavin. So, uh, yeah. Ron, I think Ron Ron came in, I think, intending to be the star of the season. um, Over the top star. Yeah, Yeah, you think? I think so. No one was more sure of their game entering the season than Ron Clark, I think. Do you think Ron was the closest thing to a villain we had this season? Yes, I do. Okay. I think, well, besides um, CBS. But other than that, <laughs> Ron, Clark, Ron Clark is our uh, our primary uh, player villain for the season. But he's yeah. a villain in a fun way. He's a fun villain. Was he? I, I, well, I like him. I like Ron. I like, I like villain Ron. My only concern is that he didn't lean hard enough Did in the like villain mode. Kicked puppy Ron. No, uh, that's the Ron I didn't like. Oh, I didn't like any Ron. So the man who we've entrusted the future of children with, who goes around calling a color Yaller, Yalla, Yalla. I thought it was Yaller. I don't it's... even know. Thanks, Ron, for continuing the stereotype stereotype of Southerners that we're all bumbling freaking inbred idiots thanks buddy um i think i know the answer to your question to this question for you do you want to see ron clark again on survivor i mean what if he's on the villains tribe and the hero in hvv2 as much as like i can't stand ron he's entertaining so you that's what i mean about the villain you gotta have somebody like that you know He's and he's not as like dangerous as like an Abby Maria where you don't know if she's gonna literally He's not gonna stab anybody. Right. You don't ask Ron if you can hold the machete that's in his hand because you're worried. Yeah. So that's a throwback. Is that was it Matthew? Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, Ron is uh he's a mild villain. He's uh I think He was great to root against. Yeah. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah. I mean, it, I know it's for effect. I wish he. I mean, it's a, it's over the top. I think he's a good villain because hey, I these really, are my friends. I really relished when he lost, and I think that makes I, for a good villain. Yes, I, I fist pumped. All right, next we have Aurora, Aurora McCreary. Yeah. So she was there. <laughs> she won some challenges. She did win some challenges. She... A, similar to Wendy, a good. Uh, Except just like a little less interesting than Wendy, yeah. but she she was very good in challenges. She struggled to connect with people on the show. For me, she typified the chaos that was trying to follow this game as a viewer. Which was if you're watching Survivor and you're like, "Oh, let me talk about the alliances." Well, week to week, like it was hard to really figure out what the alliances were because. It seemed like they were just voting blocks that formed, voted someone out, and then dissipated. Like, uh, and Aurora was like that. Like, at first she was the number one with Joe and Aubrey, and she was the three to their six. And, like, she was so on the outs. And then she was in with, like, Ron. And then she was out again and then back in, you know. Yeah. um, And it wasn't because she was pulling herself out and putting herself back in. I think Aurora was... Trying to play in, like an older school game of just let's find an alliance that works, and I want somebody to work with to the end. And this was not the season for that. This was the season, uh, except for Gavin and Victoria, were pretty much the only two people I could put together that worked for thirty plus days. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, Aurora, she was trying to get in with people, but just never quite landed. She um, also was like, okay, so one of the knocks on like Devin's like this season was, <clears throat> uh, you know, Devin's is not really on the right side of the votes and is not in on all the scheming. Therefore, you know, that equals not a good player. Well, he made up for that in working his ass off finding idols, finding this, winning challenges and stuff. And Aurora did some of that. She won some challenges, Mm -hmm. but definitely not in on, like, a lot of the votes. She was, like, the Devons without all the elbow grease that he put into, like, actually, like, being the person to beat. Yeah. Um, It seemed like she was getting told, like, where the votes were going or not getting told at all. Yeah. Even though she was part of the majority alliance most of the time well do we want to see aurora again not particularly not particularly i mean you know she filled out the cast and like tried to hold her own but she wasn't a negative to the season but she wasn't really a a big positive either yeah she was just kind of there for me and i never really i guess her big scene was oh my gosh how could she be wheeling and dealing while lauren is passed out on the ground and i was and i immediately gave her the benefit of the doubt in that that episode where you know hey jeff said keep going and part of keep going is keep going is making deals to get out of a challenge sure. that you are going to stand up there for hours yeah i guess that was her most iconic moment uh next up we have victoria baymond um victoria showed such promise early in the game and i don't think she played a bad game i think she played a a, a good game it wasn't a great game I think she did not... I think she was so focused on being on the right side of the votes and and not causing a ruckus, which this was a season, to her credit, where causing a ruckus got you sent home pretty quickly. So I think she read the tea leaves right in that regard, but I still feel like she didn't quite take enough agency in her own game this season. I, I agree. I mean, for the longest time, the narrative, like talking about Survivor, uh, you know, talking about this season was, you know, hey, she's doing a great job. She's always on the right side of the votes. I think the moment she said, you know, I'm not going to rocks. You shouldn't trust me. You know, that was like, great. That was like, mm-hmm. for the Survivor viewer, you're like, love her. Yes. You know, she's just cutthroat. The way and she like, coddled Aubrey and then just right. cut her throat. Yeah. That was, it was great. Yeah. But on the flip side of that is, in the Julia vote out tribal, it was so out of Victoria's hands. She may have ended up on the right side of that vote, but she was standing one foot away from Ron while Wardog and Ron were basically teetering on the edge of voting anyone they wanted to out, including Victoria. And Ron said, well, what about Victoria? And she had no agency in that was standing right there. Mm-hmm. And that was like, yeah, that's to the extreme. But still, like... It's one thing to be on the right side of the votes, but it's also the other thing to be on the right side of the votes. And, like, but you have, or do you really have a say-so, you know, or between your fate? Is your fate really in your hands? Or are you just, like, going along and being the fifth vote? Right. And I know that wasn't, like, the case the whole time, but that was the case in that vote, you know? And that's a hard game to, like, win in the end, and that's kind of what we saw because... We'll end up getting a Gavin, and that's kind of what everyone else saw, too. 
I think Victoria was also trying to play a game that would do well in another season, but not this season. In the, I think the argument of putting pelts up on your wall is a good argument. If that, because I think I feel like that's the the argument she was preparing for the jury, which was I sent all of you there, and I'm gonna own that. Um, and she did. She sent uh, she sent nine people home mm-hmm. um, on the season. I, don't, I haven't looked to see if that's the most, but it seems pretty good. That's I know from looking at past seasons, that's pretty consistent with how winners do. Typically, they they will sometimes send eh, ten to eleven home, and she got nine. Um, and also, uh, she would have had ten if Rick hadn't played an idol that one time. So let me ask you this: If it let's say it's Victoria, not Gavin, sitting in the final three, do you think anything changes? I think maybe something changes. Uh, well, first off, I think Gavin is more likely to vote for Victoria. Then Victoria voting for Gavin. I mean, she yeah. didn't vote for Gavin, so a little bitter, huh? Yeah. Um, so I think that I think if she's sitting there, if she gets Gavin's vote, she also gets the respect. I don't think Gavin really did anything unique to earn any of the votes he got, other than managed his way through a thirty-nine day game. So I think she would get credit for that, and I think she would be able to defend herself so well. But I still think Chris probably wins. Yeah, because it's really hard to overcome a whole. Uh, tide of people who don't care that you got that you stayed in the game because they wanted they well, wanted someone to represent them. Yeah, I mean when Wardonk said, you know, the theme's not on trial, you're on trial, and Gavin didn't immediately say, well, why the hell should it not be? Yeah, and then it was over. Yeah, and yeah. like maybe Victoria said, well, why the hell should it not be? You know? Yeah, but. Gavin didn't, you know, maybe she did, but I don't know. I think she'd have a a, a shot. Not yeah. a favorite, though. Um, I liked Victoria. Would you like to see Victoria again? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence. Like, if you, I don't know if I would say liked, but if she got cast again, sure. I feel like in a second chance, another second chances or a game changers type season, maybe I'd throw her into a cast. I'm okay with that. I think she would play the same game. Yeah. But I also think that's a game that can, I think hers is a game that can get you to the top seven or eight in almost any season. Um, The question is just how does she navigate? Does she do a better job of navigating? Here's the game I'd like to see if Victoria returns. Let's say you have a person like Devins who has nobody on his side, right? And is having to play loosey-goosey and is always the target and is out having to try to find idols and it's five on one, right? Mm-hmm. The field versus him. Boy, Victoria would have been great as like his secret under the table alliance yeah. person. And like that role is super dangerous. But only someone like Victoria could pull it off to where Gavin looks like he has no one, but he really has one person. The other thing is, when there's someone like Devons... I'm sorry, Devons really has one person, not when, Gavin. When there's someone like Devons or Ben Drybergen who, it, or Mike Holloway, who right. on a season who everyone has turned against, their back is against the wall, they're going to be searching night and day for idols. I think it's a better strategy just to stick with them. Yes, to and if you're the only person that sticks with them... Because there's so much chaos in their game, that is the chaos that can come back and hit you. It is dangerous. And that's what happened to Victoria. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, it's almost a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. You could either, like, work with him, like, behind the curtains, and be like, I'm is like, really in a secret alliance with him. Um, 
and that's super dangerous because anybody catches wind of that, you're toast. Yeah. Or, but you're you are basically ensuring that if an idol is played, let's say Ben or Devin's plays that idol, he's never going to vote for you. So you're never going to get one voted out. I think Victoria was on the path to a possible win in this game. She had Rick in her sights, and I think she was, uh, you know, had a, had a strategy for taking him out. Don't know if it would have worked. I think it was probably just, you know, beat him if try to vote for him when he doesn't have anything, and maybe I can find an idol. But the the gimmick of the season. I think really upended Victoria's game. Well, maybe you've swayed me. I mean, for as much as we spent time talking on Victoria, maybe she deserves to come back. Yeah. Lauren O'Connell is next. Um, Lauren spent a lot of the season hungry. Yeah, that seemed to define a lot of her game. And homesick. Yeah, that also... Second youngest cast member. She's 21. Baylor. Uh, She's a soccer player at Baylor. And... uh, there had been some confusion. We At some point, some of us had called her a volleyball player, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. But I saw a picture of her. She's wearing cleats. So I think we have our answer. She's a soccer player. Outdoor volleyball. They wear cleats? I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Lauren, I, I don't really know. Ganged up with Kelly. Found an idol. They had two idols. All this power. They had the power alliance. Couldn't win a challenge. They also had the Power Alliance later in the game when Wardog just blew it up for Wardog reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think she was playing... I think she played pretty well. Um, played alright. Played alright. It was it was on the good side of the spectrum rather than the bad side. She got deked by Chris in the worst way at the end. Um, other than that, I think she played pretty well. She got deked by someone who had to, didn't have to wear their mind out for 28 days like she did focusing on what to do next I mean she held on to a she correctly held on to her idol at so many tribal councils um yeah you know she got duped by Chris who she probably already realized I have this idol and I need to do something big with it and that's basically he came in telling her what she wanted to hear and he he also came and he attributed that quote to the person that she her right hand would have really wanted person. to hear that from is Kelly. Yeah, um, when she should have thought, I have Kelly's vote no matter what. I don't even. But know. you know, when you're hungry, when you're paranoid, when you're all those things, you know, these things happen. Yeah. You, know? um, you want to see Lauren again? <sighs> I wouldn't hate it, but I don't think I would ever think to put her on a list of people I want to see. Yeah, I'm not, you know. I don't think I'd roll my eyes and I'd be like, Lauren, if yeah, they brought her back. i a but... path to, you know, the voting booth to, to cast my ballot for her to get back in. But, you know, hey, if she comes back. she Yeah, that would not be the worst thing. All right, Rick Devins. I mean, <laughs> I ain't an all-timer already. Thank God for Rick Devins. Yeah. Made this season watchable. He literally picked this game up by off the ground where it sort of was with Joe dominating the game and really like had a stretch run there where Rick made this game completely entertaining. Yes. Yes. He, I don't know if I should use the save the season, you know, hyperbole, but it's in the ballpark of that. 
I will. He saved the season. Okay. For me. All right. It was, um, I think a shining star from the first episode. Uh, yeah. The way he could, I don't know. I love storytellers on Survivor. And I love people who can uh, speak to the camera or speak to Probst in an entertaining way. And he certainly could. I mean, one of he instantly starts off the season with a bang when Probst asks uh, Dan De Silva to introduce himself. And Dan says, I'm the war dog. And uh, he asks Rick Devins to introduce himself. And he says, coincidentally, I'm also the war dog. Sorry. dog. <laughs> Just unpause it there with us yeah. laughing. Yeah, already did. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Devin's, like, the sense of humor he brought to the game was just fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, he had that little moment where he got voted out and took it really personally. Mm-hmm. And... Which I, yeah, you know, I guess you could say the low point for for him there was mm-hmm. like Wardog dressing him down and saying you're taking this personally when you shouldn't, and it's hard not to I understand. Um, but he rallied back from that. Like he was on the precipice, and I think David Wright talked him off of it and was like, "One of us is drunk here, and I don't think it's me." Great moment from David. Yeah, and brought him back into the game. Devins was allowed to play with just such like flexibility and just you know devil may care attitude and just going for it Mm -hmm. and he did that with his personality he was so likable like people liked him even the people who wanted him out of the game were just like he is really likable I think that they got I mean I think well I, I was rooting for him to win um even though I don't think he would have been a great winner, well, as far okay. as history goes, because he had uh, first off, he got voted out of the game. Yes, that's a problem. First, that's something no other won, winner has ever done. Yeah, he would have been the first winner. Yeah, or voted out. Um, also, he had very little agency in the voting in the game. Yes, beyond. another knock against him. He didn't really control much of the game. He had very, very little, arguably the least control in Survivor history for a winner. Maybe Ben Drybergen. But I think Ben had maybe more. Um, maybe it's Mike Holloway. Mike Holloway might have the least control. Uh, but he uh, really didn't play in an impressive way, but he played in a fun way. And so as a, as a viewer, his entertainment value was through the roof, and I wanted him to win a million dollars just for that. Yeah. Um, I think he, I'm not going to go so far as to say he, like, typifies, like, or personifies, like, the best of, like, this new, like, modern survivor. But I definitely think that he, people will be taking a page from his book and other people's book like him, where it, 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 what matters is the show of it all. And the perception for the, the jury they were lapping it up. Like, his jury performances were really good to where he was getting credit for votes he wasn't even doing. Right. So you could say, yes, he wasn't the one controlling the vote, but he was the one stealing the vote. Yeah. And you could, uh, you know, you think the mo- the two most recent seasons this cast had seen before they went out were Heroes, were Triple H yep. and Ghost Island. Ghost Island, yep. Which are two seasons full of people acting like rock stars at Tribal Council. Mm-hmm. 
both of them. Uh, Wendell Dominic putting on shows in Ghost Island, and then Ben Drybergen putting on shows on a nightly basis. So I think and coupled that with one of the survivors in Lauren, I mean Laurel, who took the most most heat for doing what was perceived as like very little, mm-hmm. and no one wanted to be that person. Right. So anyway, Devin's extremely entertaining. You want to see Devin's again? In a heartbeat. Slam dunk. Yeah. He's coming back. He'll play more. He'll, he will play more survival. Yeah. And one last thing about Devin's. I thought that he got teased about this a lot. And he, he was so self-deprecating about things, which was also great. He got teased about having a dad bod. You remember one of Richard Hatch's ideas and strategies for gameplay. Well, I'm coming out here slightly overweight yeah. to overweight because I'm not eating. And when these, you know, models are starving on day 37, I'm going to be running circles around him, around them. And guess what Devons was doing? He was running circles around people through the woods and they were not keeping up with him Mm-mm. because he was, he had a body to, you know, to he had a stored energy to use. We get to our final three. Julie Rosenberg, third place finisher this season. I'm, I think I think people erroneously call her a goat. Um, I don't think she's a goat. I think she, I think she did get brought to the final three because she was a clear person. Everybody still in the game could beat, but that's not what a goat is. I think a goat is someone who just absolutely does nothing. I think there have been goats in the past. Um, this was just someone who wasn't going to win, which is to me different. Um, I think she she did okay for herself. She uh, was aligned with Ron. Things didn't go well. She showed some flexibility in the game. Um, she definitely did better than I expected her to. In the when we we discussed her in the preseason, I kind of figured she'd be an early boot. She was the uh, oldest person of the season, maybe alongside Reem. They're both forty six. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I thought Julie had a pretty good year, but it was clearly not a winning path. Um, and I think she knew that, too. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this for Julie. Her game could have completely fallen apart. And when she was doing the whole, that's it, I'm jumping ship. And she rallied back. Mm-hmm. And she made an alliance with um, with Lauren. She, um, she was... Scheming and plotting, you know, down to the end. Um, but I, I don't know if like no, none of them know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think Julie, maybe most of all of this cast, kind of maybe not Keith or some other people, but like it felt like she was like a little overwhelmed. She was the girl on day one who was like, I have a splinter in my toe, and it's like, man, if that's the drama of it all. This is going to be a long 39 days. Well, you stopped hearing about that stuff, and she buckled down and played a pretty strong strong game. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, Want to see Julie again? Um, not particularly, but Same. I'm, you know, I, yeah. I'll i give her a props. Sure. Yeah. I think the only type of season... Somebody proposed a season to me uh, over the weekend, I think, and it was a season of people who got no votes at the final travel. Oh, boy. Sign me up. Uh, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not not wild about that concept. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, was it you? Was it no, you? No. Oh, me. Okay. Um, next, we have Gavin Whitson, 23 year old, Tennessee. 
Gavin, who uh, I thought Gavin, I, I, I think I feel like I give Gavin more credit than most people do this season for his game. I think that a lot of the votes, he necessarily didn't come up with the idea, but it was Gavin's, I think Victoria went along with things more, but I think it, it required Gavin's stamp of approval for pretty much all those votes because Gavin was the bridge to Victoria. He was the bridge to Ron. He was the bridge from different subgroups to one another. He was the bridge to Eric for a little while. He's kind of the Nick Wilson of the season. He was kind of the bridge to Kelly, from what we understand. Mm-hmm. Like, Kelly and him were in in cahoots with each other, although we didn't get to see too much of it. And she ended up voting for him. So while Gavin didn't have the spectacle of big moves, he had, a, I would actually argue, Gavin probably had the most vote influence in the game. Of the, yeah, of the people that were sitting there at the end, you know, if it was like him sitting to Victoria, would you say it was? I think, would, yes, I think Gavin... Just because had, he had more connections? Because Lauren would come to Gavin with an idea, mm-hmm. and if Gavin was convinced by Lauren, then he would go convince uh, Victoria. That's true. Yeah, we did see that. Um, yeah. Now, granted, I think Wardog probably had the most uh, voting, most control, like, vote for when vote. When he had it, yeah, yeah. But, uh... For the entire game, I think Gavin probably influenced more votes than anyone. Yeah, um, and this is what I mean about like you've got to show it. That's the problem. He, I mean, it's the Mike White of it all. Like, it's great that you played a good game, and people are saying no. But if you had been there, and it's like, but we weren't there. He had he had trouble showing, uh, even the fellow cast members that he how much control he had in the game, and he had he'd always had trouble kind of explaining himself. I think. In the season. I don't think eloquence was one of his strong suits. Well, here's a case in point. When everyone is sitting at Travel Council talking about how Rick has to get B out of the game, and it's five of you against one saying he's the biggest threat, he's the biggest threat, and Aurora's saying it, and you're like, yeah, you know, be the other guy that's like, you know what, he's not the biggest threat. He's just another player in this game. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like... Don't be that guy. That's how you show it. That's your moment in front of the jury to be like, okay, I have to stop telling the jury that Rick's winning the game. I have to stop winning the game for Rick and yeah. start winning it for me. And to Gavin's credit, at least he was not one of the people. He never said that, I don't think, at Tribal Council. Which, Julie said it. Victoria said it. Uh, but he did said not it. say it. He did not say it. But he... Uh, the others were all saying basically they're all making Rick's case to the jury for Rick. Even. Yeah, Rick. Rick had already won that final jury vote if he could get there, right. partially because everybody else in the cast was all saying, "Can't sit next to Rick." When Gavin needed to, at some point, display that he was not afraid of sitting next to Rick. Yeah. Do you think he could have done better at final? Um, then he did. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly. I think he should. I think he should have tried. I think he needed a little more fire in his belly. Yeah. I just don't think that's problem. Gavin. You know. I don't think it is either. I um, think that maybe is Victoria, which is like why we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Is like would Victoria have just been like you know no? I would have. I would have. I wish you could have. I wish you have other castmates be your lawyer at the final travel. <laughs> right. And Here's so my advocate. Like like can I get Victoria to come in and argue Gavin's case for him? Right. Because. He needs someone with a little spirit. Ooh, that should be the, the the Robin Sandra thing. No, that should be the 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 reward at like four or something 
is like you get to pick your own advocate and pick your opponents. <laughs> I pick Reem. Yeah. For anyone else. <laughs> um, dude, just vote for this guy, dude. I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah. All right, we get to our You know winner. what? We're not answering any questions, so just stuff it. Wait, do you want to see Gavin again? Did we answer that? Not particularly. I, I think I'd be okay with it, but uh, again, I'm not really being like, please bring back Gavin. Yeah. And the so, weird thing is, for the, the, the Southern good old boy, he he got to the end, but, he, you know, other ones have done better. Nick, JT. Yeah. He, played you know. a, he played kind of a Nick Wilson game, but without Nick Wilson's uh, charisma. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine on Gavin. And without Nick Wilson's fun of, like, I'm teaming up with Davey and just... Gavin really kind of reminds time. me of a classic second-place finisher, like the Ian Rosenberger yeah. finish. Like, he's just... We have seen so many Gavins come along and finish second yeah. <laughs> in Survivor. Um, you like them all. But anyway, we have our winner, Chris Underwood. Uh, Who? I, I feel like we've <laughs> we've... Pretty much, when we were talking about production, we pretty much explained the issues with Chris, which was he got voted out third, got to spend 28 days, I believe. Um, Let's see, he got voted out on day eight, eight, came back in on day 35. Okay. So 27 days. Um, Yeah, that's... uh, he didn't play Survivor <laughs> for like two thirds of the season. So, uh, um, the issues with Chris are the issues with Extinction Island. That's all it is. When he played, he was, um, when he got to come back in, he did everything he was supposed to do when he came back in. Yeah. Before he went out the first time, he was not a good player. Like, literally, what was the discussion? Like, I'm giving you this information, but you can't tell anyone. And, and he immediately you, tells yes. someone. And, yeah. He screwed up pretty badly early on. He showed that he couldn't be trusted. And they voted him out for it. And uh, He was gunning for Kelly when that was not in Wardog's best interest. Right. And Wardog was trying to, you know, soft-pedal him and say, Hey, man, just relax. We'll deal with that when we deal with that. But right now... We've got these easy votes to knock out. Let's just knock them out, you know? Mm. And was he was a challenge beast. Made fire really well. Really good in team challenges. He kept them in it against Joe quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but, no, Chris he, was... <coughs> he he didn't play... Partic- he played a mixed bag at the beginning of the game. But when he came back in, played a perfect uh, three, four days, three days. Um... Had maybe the greatest single episode and for a player in Survivor history. Yeah. Um, they had a great two hours. Yeah. Do you want to see Chris again? You know, I do. I would like to see Chris play Survivor. <laughs> just just for once. I'd like to... I want to see what Chris could do on a season of Survivor if they ever decide to have that again. I don't... Would he come back? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't want to see him in an all-winner season. He's a winner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So is, so is Bob Crowley. Poor Chris. He just... I don't want to see Bob Crowley again. Well, I mean, you know, he he took Joe's spot. This was supposed to be the season of Joe. But I really do, I really do want to see Chris play Survivor again. Because I think his error, while it got him kicked out, it was a small error. Yeah. And I think he could be a... 
he's kind of that middle ground where he's good at challenges, but he's not Joe at challenges. Yeah. And I think he's a good social player. I think he's 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 kind of good at everything. But I want to see how he can do in a season where production doesn't jam every yeah. possible advantage into his pocket. You it know, can with three know, days left. He was the victim of like, you know, those first those first like three votes are always just crazy, especially when it's a one tribe goes back to back to back mm-hmm. because you're just forced into like never being able to like settle into any kind of game and like just being able to breathe for a second and like it was just like Reem, Keith, boom, him and mm-hmm. bam 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 they're out in eight days. And you never just yeah, you never really get to like get your legs underneath you and you're like you you know, it's hard to make alliances. His one alliance was with like Wardog and Wardog couldn't trust him. Yeah. You know? I think Chris is I don't know. It's hard to compare his game to anybody else's game yeah, that's totally. ever played. So what can you say? Other than, hey, maybe they'll invite him back in you know what a game I'd like to see him play? Survivor. Sometime. Well, we'll leave it with that. So, uh, anyway. Well, we, we closed the book on Edge of Extinction. You and I have added it to our uh, Survivor rankings tentatively. Now, granted, this yeah. is pretty fresh. Yeah. We've had lots of time to ruminate on how, how we feel about token right. genes, but we don't have... We've had only a week. Yeah. I have, you know, I've rolled Survivor Palau around in my head so many times, you know. So this uh, season does not fare particularly well in our rankings. Uh, comes out. I think the strong points of the season are gameplay in the way that the votes were kind of unpredictable a lot of the time. You had um, it was not dominated by boring alliances at all, um, and I think the cast was a relative high point. I don't think it was a, an all-time great cast, but I think the cast. Thanks to Rick Devins, kind of uh, like War Dog, War Dog, the Rons of the world, and David, think, David Wrights, a middle of the pack cast as yeah. far as Survivor history goes. So um, some highs, some lows. I mean, you know, you think you're getting greatness with Joe, and you're really not. Right. He just wants to paint. Um, consider we we held it against CBS considerably, considering that the season was broken before it started. <laughs> Based on their design and their plans for final, final five, I just final six, don't get it. Well, they're trying their best to hand. You know what would be easier? You know what would be easier if they just gave Joe a million dollars. Can we give Joe a million dollars so that Jeff Probst can can ease off his boner for Joe I and mean, Joe types? This is this is goes back to Ozzy never winning. This is just the extension of that. Jeff wants to see that type of player win the game. Once. Yeah. Do you think... Well, he needs to bring back Malcolm. Malcolm could win the game. Malcolm's the only player of that ilk. The long-haired, looks-like-a-pirate dreamboat that everybody loves. But Malcolm has the other aspect, too. Malcolm can play the game strategically. Is this where we're going to get into the legacy of this season? Is yeah. This what where is... we should get into it? Yes. Or are is... we going to offer some sort of ranking, or... Do we sure. Need to do that too? Uh, so I'll uh, I'll 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 say that uh, right now this season comes in thirty uh, second in our rankings. Uh, this is going to um, be ranked just ahead of Fiji, just behind Redemption Island. And the positives are like the cast, you know, 
bumps it up. But some the, fun travels. The twist bumps it way down. Way down. Um, you know, um, yeah, I think that's probably about where it should live. Yeah. Yeah. 32nd out of 38. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll reevaluate it down the line and like it more or hate it more. So, getting back to the legacy, do you think this is where, like, they've done all these things to make it to where this archetype has more and more chances to win this game? Yes. Is it, at this point, is it just like, we wash our hands of this, it just can't be done? They actually have to roll up their sleeves and play actual Survivor at some point? I think that, I think this is going to teach them that they got to stop trying to force that hand. Okay. Yeah. Because I think they're going to get enough blowback on this season for that for that structure um because this is something the fans don't i don't think they enjoy having to ask who the hell is that about the winner of the season that they've they've spent 14 weeks watching to be like who's that guy um so i think that's the blowback because you know survivors gotten some criticism from purists in recent years for too many idols too many idols and too many advantages and idol nullifiers and whatnot which is fine but I don't think that ever bothered Probst. I don't think Probst has ever been going to want to... I don't think he wants to cut that back because I think the viewers, I think the bulk of the 8 o'clock Wednesday night viewers love that stuff. They love the idle plays. They're not cutting back on that. They're not it. cutting back yeah. because that's good TV. Even if it's, it makes for a less perfect game, it's good TV. Chris winning this season is bad TV. Yeah. This is if... And I'm not going to spoil the end of Game of Thrones for you. But this is if at the end of Game of Thrones, if the person sitting on the Iron Throne at the end of the show is Howland Reed or some person that... Pick out a person we haven't seen since season three or something like that. Right. And they show up and it's the Prince of Dorne. Yeah, sure, he'll wind up on the Iron Throne. Why not? The last five seasons mean nothing. Yeah. And so all these storylines of this Survivor season wound up being completely irrelevant because it was just about the one guy who came back from extinction with uh, more more benefits than anybody else in the game. He got to bypass the... And he got to bypass the fundamental aspect of the game, which is you have to earn the million dollars from people you vote out. That's the that's what always made Survivor brilliant, because you had to play a social game where you had to backstab people, you had to put them, you had to kill their shot at a million dollars, and then be able to demand that they give you the million. That's the central conceit. Yes, and this is okay. We're coming up on season forty. Mm-hmm. At season twenty, in Heroes versus Villains. Russell Russell sat at the finale and challenged Jeff and CBS in front of the world and said Survivor was broken. And he said the reason why it is broken is because America basically doesn't get to vote on who it thinks should win. And Sandra, who had won, sat there, and Jeff, and I'm going to paraphrase them, argued and said... That is not Survivor. This is what Survivor is. What Survivor is, is 
you have to get to the end, no matter how you do it. And you did a great job of getting to the end, the, the seasons you played, Russell. But you have to get to the end, and the people that are sitting there are the jury of your peers, and they then have to vote to give you the money. And that's what Survivor is, and that's not what this was. I think it's a great way to cap off the season. Like, this was... And the, when Survivor was challenged to its core, that's what it said it was. Yes. This and was, that's what it has been, even with the Ben Drebergens of the world, who fired his way into the final three. He still sat in front of people that he had a hand in either idling or voting out, or voted, not voting out, and they got it, gave his votes. Like, maybe someone else voted him out, but he still was involved. And Chris was not. No. This was something different, and it was something worse. Because this isn't, this isn't as interesting as that. As, the, as getting over that hurdle that Russell couldn't get over. What they were talking about at those, in Russell's two seasons. The thing he couldn't if get that's over. that's just the way Survivor is, then it's just scorched earth policy. Yes. If like it's just surviving till the end and voting them out and not really caring how you do it or whether or not you could talk them into the fact that, hey, you have to give me credit for the fact that like I was so good to beat you who were also so good that this is the way I had to do it. I had to backstab you in the dark because you were too good a player. And that's the nuance and the subtlety of the game. And, and the social aspect of the game that, mm-hmm. like, Chris didn't have to freaking worry about. He just had to catch fish, apologize to Reem. I'm sorry to oversimplify it. but And he schemed and plotted with people on, on the edge of extinction about the best way to win the game. They wrote the playbook together. He went in, and yes, he knocked it out of the park. And executed the playbook to perfection uh-huh. and then everybody he wrote the playbook with they said well that was the way I wanted to do it and so I'm going to reward the fact that he did what I couldn't do and wanted to do yeah alright well <clears throat> maybe we have the season ranked too highly I don't know <laughs> now I'm starting to wonder uh, but uh, anyway that closes the book on Edge of Extinction and uh, hope you liked our review of the season. Hope you liked our in-depth look back. Um, because I think we're going to do a few more of these. Cool. We're, we're going to go back and uh, me and Al are going to go back and rewatch old Survivor seasons in case anyone else wants to watch along with us. We're going to start with season one. Born Yay! And we're going to do kind of the same thing. We're going to talk about each player, see how they, they what they did well, what they brought to the show, and kind of kind of look back at the history because I think this could be a fun exercise in anticipation of uh, season 40 next spring. Wait, what about th- season 39? Well, season 39 is going to be fun Survivor too. Survivor Easter Island. Yeah, we'll, we'll Survivor, yeah. Island of the Heads, I believe it's called. Island of... What is that? <laughs> you think they actually... Uh, what I'm curious about is is what is how they managed to actually shrink Rob and Sandra's heads big enough to fit them on a beach. Yeah, that's a good point. Those must be just to scale. Those giant heads out there. I can't even get started thinking about it yet. <laughs> anyway, 39 will be fun. We'll probably do this like concurrently while 39's going on in the fall. But uh, 
40, we anticipate being some sort of all-star season, some sort of big epic season, whether it's uh, Heroes versus Villains 2, or All Winners, or uh, Second Chances, or anything like that. I think it's. I think we're lined up for a big all-star season and uh, and a fun one. So, what better way to prepare for that than go back, revisit old seasons, try to get our friends to watch old seasons with us, and uh, review them. Um. Anyway, thanks for listening. If yeah. you're still listening, it's been fun. It has been fun, and uh, we'll uh, I think have uh, our normally scheduled Talkie Talk podcast coming out. Uh, later in the week um, please give us uh, some Facebook attention on TV by us movies by us and games by us please subscribe to the podcast give us a rating email us tweet with us send a, uh, send us an old-fashioned letter if you'd like just do whatever do whatever you can to let us know that you're listening and uh, <clears throat> um, I want a, I that's I want a crayon drawing that we can put on the fridge <laughs> Thank you to the Willow Walkers, and thank you to Berifa for the intro and outro music, respectively. And thank you, those uh, Survivor fans out there who are listening to this. Hang in there. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I know